You're listening to Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this our March regular episode, episode number 44 of Socialist News and Views. In the second portion of the show, we hear about the book Millennial Marxist, published last year, but we start with news. High injury rates push Minnesota's Amazon workers to organize for safety is the title of an article on Workday on March 6th by Isabella Escalona. The article highlights the situation of Kali Jama, who works at Amazon's MSP1 Fulfillment Center in Shakopee, Minnesota. In addition to working as a nurse, the article says Jama is a single mother and was looking for a second job to accommodate her schedule, but did not expect the, quote, grueling pace of work, opaque systems of management, or the toll the work takes on the physical health of employees, end quote. The article says that a warehouse worker safety bill has been introduced in the legislature, but, quote, Shortly after the bill was presented, Amazon announced the pending closure of its MSP5 sort center, also in Shakopee, by the end of March 2023, end quote. This has led some to call this retaliation. But the article says workers like JAMA are not, quote, allowing it to slow down their plans to make the existing warehouses safer for workers, end quote. You can read more on WorkdayMagazine.org. Autopsy concludes Cop City activist was seated with arms raised when shot dead is the headline from Democracy Now! on March 13th. The article says an independent autopsy shows that the force defender, Tortuguita, was likely seated cross-legged when shot with their hands raised. The transcript from Democracy Now! says, quote, Tortuguita's family on Friday sued the city of Atlanta after the release of more video evidence of the shooting was blocked. The killing has drawn national attention to Cop City as protests spread across the country, end quote. Historic revolt in France, a fight to shape a movement of millions, is a feature from March 13th on Socialist Worker UK. The feature by Charlie Kimber says, quote, the demonstrations are not just big, they are at historic levels. They are certainly the biggest since the great year of 1968. Although the social crisis is not yet so deep, and the strikes and occupations are far more limited, the numbers on the streets match or exceed those in 1936, a revolutionary situation, end quote. It says among the 3.5 million marching across the country, the mood was, quote, angry and defiant, end quote. The article quoted a hospital technician named Elaine Brune as saying, quote, lots of people are saying we don't live in a democracy, end quote. It also quotes Brune as saying, Quote, all the polls show people are against the pension changes, 
Millions are on the streets again and again. Everyone knows the rich grabbed fortunes during the pandemic, yet we're supposed to work longer, end quote. The feature says worker self-activity will be key and ends, quote, what parliament does, the street and the workplaces can undo, end quote. You can read more on socialistworker.co.uk. And now before we go to our interview on millennial Marxists, we have some of the ambient audio singing and drumming from the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Relatives March held last month on February 14th that left from East Phillips Park. That event was sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition, Minneapolis American Indian Center, Indian Health Board of Minneapolis, Native American Community Development Institute, NACDI, Minnesota Indian Women's Resource Center, and Little Earth Residents Association. And a reminder, the East Phillips and Little Earth communities where that event took place are still organizing around the Defend the Depot movement and for an urban farm to improve the neighborhood and not the city's plan for toxic harm that will hurt the health of the neighborhood. And now we go to our interview on the book Millennial Marxist by Matthew John. 
So on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. You want to just tell us who you are? Yeah, my name's Matthew. I go by Matthew John. It's kind of my pen name uh, for the book I, I released uh, last summer. And yeah, I'm a writer, um, obviously a leftist. Um, I'm kind of like a communist propagandist as well on social media. Nice. Um, but yeah, I, I just uh, I started writing political commentary in 2017. And I was posting on medium.com, which is kind of a popular blogging platform and um, getting some traction there, getting some positive feedback. And then there's this um, working class think tank called the Hampton Institute. Um, and they started publishing my work too. So I kind of got more you know, confidence to continue writing. And, you know, eventually I had a, assembled kind of a body of work over the course of four years, you know, between 2017 and 2021. Um, and then I kind of decided to put it all together into a book. It's called Millennial Marxist. And yeah, that's yeah. that's me. I read the book and I really liked it and really glad to have you on the podcast. The preface of the book says, quote, the book you're currently holding in your hands or gazing at through the glowing screen of your preferred electronic device provides an introduction to the leftist and progressive political views that have recently become more prevalent in the United States, end quote. I volunteer at Mayday Books here in Minneapolis, and so I can tell you that leftists write a lot of books. Uh, yours came out last year. Uh, so, you know, why did you think it was an important uh, time, and why did you think it was important to write this type of introduction to these ideas, uh, leftist and progressive ideas, as you say? Yeah, so um, I guess one of the aspects of the book, since it um, it's a culmination of writing that took place over four years, is basically the the Trump years, you know, the Trump administration. Uh, right. So I th I think I provide kind of an alternative analysis of of the Trump administration because I'm also very critical of the de of the Democratic Party. Right. So I'm not just like, you know, taking the liberal view of like, oh, this is a unforeseen abomination. Like, how did this happen? Right. You know, I see Trump as a very um, pure and and accurate representation of American values. So um, it's not really a surprise to leftists that this happened. And um, so I thought that was kind of um, a unique analysis that should be out there. And then also just kind of the um, more concise and digestible leftist viewpoints that I ended up including on just a pretty big range of topics. So this is, I've gotten some good feedback because people who are new to the left, you know, so-called baby leftists or whatever, <laughs> right. um, you know, they, uh, they like to learn about all these different topics, you know, cause it's stuff they haven't been exposed to before. And it's very enlightening, you know, things like the legacy of, of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Or, you know, the the view of 9-11 as blowback and, and how U.S. foreign policy contributed to this and, right. you know, the is Israel-Palestine conflict or Columbus Day or American policing. So I have a lot of these different topics that um, I think are good for just kind of a beginners, like political education. And I'm not like a, an expert or anything, but I just kind of enjoy being able to c convey these, these ideas to people. Um, right. And then I guess the the last kind of aspect of the book is just uh, a lot of it is my own personal kind of narrative on my, my radicalization process. And a lot of people can kind of relate to that. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I thought that was kind of cool to, to share that with people. Yeah. I think um, 
yeah, definitely. I think you and I are probably similar in age or at least as far as how we uh, kind of came to start being involved in what kind of things we were seeing in the past. Cause the first half of the book, I was like, okay, yeah, that, you know, that's what I, you yeah. know, that's what I remember. That's what I remember. And as it got into like some of the Trump years and the, um, you know, the, uh, uh, the uprising and all that stuff, I was kind of starting to get more mired down in my like uh, union work at that point. So I wasn't always seeing oh, right. like as broad of stuff. So I was like learning some more stuff as I went on in there, you know, this isn't, uh, this isn't in what I, said before but um you know you said this is a good introduction for folks you know what as far as your introduction um to you know leftist ideas what what books do you kind of uh uh put as uh kind of the books that got you uh or 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 or, or writings that got you into um uh some of these political thoughts or political spaces yeah so originally it was um a lot of these little pamphlets by noam chomsky that i uh, mm-hmm. came across they were very easy to to comprehend as as someone who is new to the left. But then the the main book I think was Howard Zinn's um, People's History of the United States, sure, which is kind of a classic for um, oh, that's <laughs> it's a kind of a mind blowing book when people first read it <laughs> right. about uh, how we were lied to about kind of American history and all that. Pretty much, um, and then yeah, and then going forward, it was a lot of different sources of information. There's like Marxist.org, which is a really good resource for just you can find pretty much anything uh, by Marxist theorists um, and just shorter writings by like Lenin and Engels and, and whatnot. Right. Um, and there's this book called um, Black Shirts and Reds by Michael Parenti that I always recommend because it's kind of, it got me to the point of being, you know, more of a Marxist rather than uh, just kind of a, a non-sectarian leftist or whatever you want to call it. Um, and kind of, you know, defending communist movements throughout history and things like that. But yeah, there's, there's a ton of stuff out there. Um, yeah. Marxist.org is a big one. Like you said, I mean, yeah. you, use, you know, I use that a lot for, you know, pulling content for, for this show and for, um, you know, analysis, but also just to, you know, provide some historical uh, thoughts uh, from different periods. So yeah, it's a great resource. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? You know, what you said uh, kind of leads well into the next question. A lot of these words get thrown around, around right now among uh, people that are actively organizing for a better and more egalitarian world, you know, socialist, progressive, leftist, and it, um, as in the title of your book, Marxist. Do you think these words have kind of essentially become interchangeable at this point, at least to, as far as like some of the newer uh, people entering the movements are concerned? Or what do you see as the primary differences that are highlighted in these different words, you know, leftist, Marxist, et cetera. Um, and then you mentioned it a little bit, but how do you, um, how do you identify yourself these days? Yeah. So this is a really good question. And I've thought about some of these terms a lot over the years. And yeah, I think progressive is kind of um, the most broad like umbrella term right. that all, all of these others fit under because, you know, as, as with certain members of Congress, you can be, progressive but not necessarily you know a socialist or a leftist and then i see kind of leftist and socialist as being pretty much synonymous um and i think there's there's so much overlap because if you're on the left you're gonna you're gonna be opposed to bigotry you're gonna be anti-war mm. you're going to be in favor of universal health care housing um you know all, all of the improved conditions for the working class 
Um, so there's a lot of overlap, but then there's also some distinctions with like, you know, myself being, being a Marxist or a Marxist Leninist. And, um, there's obviously these <laughs> centuries long debates between Marxists and anarchists, for instance, mm-hmm. about the, the role of the state, you know, during right. the transition from, from, uh, capitalism to communism, if you have a state or like what the role of the state is. So there's, there are these, um, disagreements among certain tendencies that it's important to like you know discuss those and and like wrestle with those questions but also at the same time it's like people just getting started out um, on the left and getting involved you know i don't think we need to really emphasize some of these distinctions immediately for those folks right yeah i think yeah and i i'd agree yeah progressive is like the broad one that's the one that you use when you know you want to include a few liberals that are actually involved in the movements and are like yeah. relatively p- pretty good. And you want to keep <laughs> bringing them along with you and not like, you know, right. uh, isolating them too much. And they're not ready to yeah. you know, call themselves Marxist or socialist or something. That's the, yeah, that's the big, that's the big broad one that you pull out. That's, you know, better than, uh, you know, I don't know, liberal or even in some, yeah, you don't want to alienate people and being like, Hey, we're communists. <laughs> yeah, we're communists mean, and you're a liberal and you suck. I mean, they'll find out eventually, but <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I mean, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a complicated, um, process and, you know, it takes time to learn how to, how to do that and how to, you know, I mean, I think, you know, if people are actively participating in the movements on the ground, then, you know, I think, you know, for as far as as much as possible, you want to like keep including them and bringing them along with what's going on, and you know, and and, yeah. and 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 highlighting you know where there might be differences. But yeah, I mean, there's certain like lines where uh, we have to kind of like you know maybe put a line in the sand. But I think for the most part, you know, that if people are actively, you know, if they're at, if their heart is in the right place and they're actually trying to uh, make a better world and they actually want that, then you know, there's education is a big piece of uh, of what we need to be doing. Yeah. Um, Cause there's a lot of people to be, I mean, there's a lot of people to educate. I mean, more, more than probably more than ever before in my lifetime, as far as people that are involved in what's going on, but don't really have necessarily a lot of analysis uh, for yeah. you know, what, <laughs> what, how we should uh, position ourselves going forward, where we've been, where we're going and all that stuff. They kind of just, you know, there's a lot of people that got caught up in, you know, things that were going on. Cause there's been a lot of stuff going on to, you know, people wanting to change the world. And that's a powerful, uh, that's a powerful image and a powerful uh, idea. Um, yeah. And all, so all the writing in this book and the book that uh, you published, Millennial Marxist, uh, at least the stuff that's dated, uh, all takes place, I think, as you mentioned before, during the Trump administration. Um, so just so folks can get a feel for the writing style, would you be willing to read a short section Um of the book, uh, yeah. that, the impeachment is a ruling class spectacle um, that starts on page eighty-five in your book. Yeah, so this was uh, I wrote this December nineteenth, twenty nineteen, just for context, during the impeachment, uh, Trump's impeachment proceedings. Um, it is unquestionably good for American society and the well-being of common people to rid ourselves of the Trump administration. Donald Trump is a xenophobic, racist, sexist, nationalistic conman, and a pathological liar. He's corrupt to his very bones and should never have been afforded a position of power over a single individual. His administration has perpetrated grave crimes, including child separation policies, operating concentration camps, arming the genocidal Saudi regime, giving the wealthy a trillion dollar tax cut, implementing a Muslim ban, 
and empowering white supremacists and domestic terrorists. But Trump was not impeached for any of these crimes. The recent House of Representatives impeachment proceedings primarily revolved around allegations that the president leveraged military aid to Ukraine in attempt to open politically motivated investigations. Never mind that some of this aid has reached the neo-Nazi Azov battalion. In a sense, Trump's impeachment follows a historical pattern. Like Trump, former President Bill Clinton was impeached in the House of Representatives as well. As a teenager at the time, I recall being quite enthralled while perusing the salacious details of the Star Report in my local newspaper. To be frank, Clinton was impeached primarily over an extramarital affair, not for killing hundreds of thousands of civilians in Iraq through economic sanctions, not for bombing a pharmaceutical plant in Sudan, likely leading to thousands of unnecessary deaths, not for his expansion of the racist war on drugs and the continued mass incarceration of black and brown Americans, not for deregulating Wall Street with his repeal of the Glass-Steagall Act. William Jefferson Clinton was impeached for lying about a blowjob. Why weren't presidents like Clinton and Trump impeached for their most monstrous offenses? Why aren't presidents impeached for their austerity measures and assaults on the working class? For their overt violence against the poor and marginalized? For the bombs they drop or the terrorists they arm? Simply put, these flagrant crimes are part of the bipartisan consensus. They constitute a continuation of the policies of previous administrations, policies that were designed by and for the ruling class. Impeachment proceedings result from superficial feuds between the two major ruling class organizations, the Democrats and the Republicans. In a country that is known for exporting quote-unquote democracy, politics is merely a spectator sport. A 2014 study from Cambridge even found that, quote, majorities of the American public actually have little influence over the policies our government adopts, end quote. Whether it's the popular Russiagate conspiracy theory, the latest missile strike against a disobedient nation, or the recent impeachment proceedings, the elite want you to feel like you're watching Game of Thrones or House of Cards. They want you to feel that rush of dopamine, like when your favorite sports team wins, even though your material conditions remain static and insufficient. It is certainly reasonable to celebrate this historic event. Trump is only the third American president to be successfully impeached in the House. But it's also important to see the bigger picture. Even in the unlikely event that impeachment passes the Senate, we'd still be left with the rotten neoliberal system that created Trump in the first place. True resistance should seek to replace this barbaric system and create a government that works for all of us, not just the 1%. Yeah, that's great. I, um, yeah, I think it's, you know, really important that again, the things that we need to be educating people on is that we need to be taking a lot of nuanced positions on things. Um, you know, Twitter is great for short little, uh, snappy things, but most political analysis can't actually be, <laughs> uh, yeah. fully, um, fleshed out in a little, um, uh, hot take or a little blurb. And I think it's, you know, it's super important to highlight that, you know, Trump is no friend of working people. It doesn't really matter how, uh, you know, that the Democrats are crappy. Trump is still a really <laughs> uh, terrible force and a force for a lot of uh, bad things that are going on. But yeah, the ruling class is the ruling class. Um, and, uh, you know, they um, there's a lot of things they agree on, like you said. It's, and that's the, the thing that's the most frustrating is that they, um, you know, they're not going after these people again for, you know, killing tons of people overseas with, 
wars and bombs or killing plenty of people in this country, but, you know, through austerity measures and other things like that, they're going after them for, in a lot of cases, technicalities or a few words here or a few things that they did there. Um, you know, yeah. and, you know, Trump's done plenty of bad things, uh, you know, from the from the small to the large. Uh, as right. have, uh, most presidents. So there's plenty of things they could. And, you know, and more and more, uh, you know, the more power that working people get, the more splits in the ruling class are going to develop. And so we need to make sure that we're, you know, we don't get, um, you know, just see the ruling class as a monolith. We need to be prepared to, at least in my estimation, um, significantly highlight and hopefully um, uh, uh, expand those splits within the ruling class and find ways to pit, um, you know, uh, the ruling class and servants of the ruling class against one another whenever we can, you know. Oh, so yeah, these definitely. Are, you know, these are things we need to be highlighting again and again because, um, you know, that's, you know, that's the development. That's one of the keys that you're going to see in a revolutionary situation is large splits in the ruling class where, um, you know, the, the terrain for them politically becomes very difficult um, and it's hard yeah. for them to maintain their control over working people. So really, exactly, yes. Yeah, so I really appreciate the book, and I, I recommend that you know, especially folks that are just looking to get involved and want to kind of see a you know overview of where where we've been, where we're coming from, and you know, like kind of the uh, the terrain and challenges ahead of us should definitely check out uh, Millennial Marxists. Uh, I really appreciate you yeah. speaking. Is there speaking with me? Is there anything else you want to share about the book or organizing or the the kind of the situation we find ourselves in? today in 2023 since the publication of the book um yeah i mean just in terms of the book it's it's really easy to find you can just google millennial marxist um it's published th through lulu lulu.com um but you can get it on you know amazon or barnes noble or wherever um but in terms of just recent things like i mean this is something for me like i'm you know i'm a writer so uh, oftentimes, you know, being introverted and being a writer, right. Um, are, are like, there's a correlation there. And sure. so I also have social anxiety, but like just, um, getting out and like meeting other leftists, like, you know, um, you know, I met you, Nick, through a mutual friend right. and, you know, I've met a couple other leftists that I only previously knew from social media. And, you know, it's important to do this kind of like networking and, and, getting involved that way. Cause I'm also, uh, one of my other leftist friends who I just met recently is, is kind of getting me involved in a local organization too. Awesome. So, um, yeah, just kind of get out there. I would say, um, to folks who are, you know, and we tend to in this society be kind of more isolated and alienated and things like that. So, yeah, I just want to kind of get, encourage folks to just meet up with other leftists, like-minded people and, and get involved that way. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I was getting kind of isolated some last year and, uh, you know, I was having a lot of anxiety around, you know, a myriad of different things. And I, I eventually, with a lot of hassle of my medical um, professionals, I got on medication for my ADHD, which I hadn't taken since I was in high school. And uh, it's really done a lot of uh, good uh, things for me. <laughs> so oh, yeah, you know, that's great. Since, since the beginning of this year, I've been, you know, I've been more on track. I've been... Uh, um, you know, having a lot less anxiety and able to, you know, do the things that I need to do. Um, yeah, you know, the, pan good. the pandemic and working in the hospital really uh, kind of like, you know, exposed how much my uh, attention deficit disorder was affecting me. And so and I think a lot of people uh, realize the 
you know, some uh, mental health uh, situations for themselves over the past few years, uh, you know, through the, yeah. <laughs> the pandemic, but also the, you know, uprising and all kinds of upheavals that have been going on. So, you know, yeah, people should take care of themselves and they should, you know, when they, when they are in, um, you know, in a good uh, situation, they should, uh, you know, make the best effort to get out there. And it's great to hear that you're getting involved in, uh, in an organization. Yeah. Everybody should get out and get involved to the extent that they're able in something that's going on in their community. Yeah, definitely. I really uh, appreciate you speaking with me. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Nick. Yeah. Take care. All right. See you later. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. As always, you can find additional links to content covered today in the show notes. Make sure to subscribe. Solidarity. to stay alive. This has been another edition of Socialist News and Views with your host, Nick Schillingford. <laughs>